This presentation has been previously broadcast. When you were a teenager, do you remember sleeping late in the summer? No school. If you didn't have to get up and go to work at a summer job, in your teen years, uh, you could sleep and sleep. But there was one week every summer for me when I had the worst time sleeping. I'll explain why coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Well, welcome to this Monday in the first full week of Lent, and I hope that uh, it was a good weekend for you. Uh, going to Mass, um, being able to hear those readings here about uh, the fall of Adam, but then also being able to hear those words from St. Paul, through one man, uh, sin entered the world through one man the world was redeemed. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. Well, so this Lenten season, glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction. So when I was 16, I volunteered as a camp counselor at a Christian Children's Summer Camp. This was before I was Catholic, but the campground, it was called Three Meadows. It was located in northern Idaho. And at this camp, there were about 100 kids between the ages of 10 to 12 years old. And everyone was there for a week. They'd arrive Sunday afternoon. They'd stay through the following Saturday morning. And I was a counselor there at that camp for three summers in a row. Now, that first summer, when I was 16, I was still learning the ropes, and they assigned each cabin with two of us counselors. Some of, them, some of the counselors were teens like me. Others were adults. So along with all of the kids that were in my cabin, the other counselor there was a man named Doran Williams, probably in his 50s, I would guess. And Doran was a nice guy, very friendly. And as we dropped off our sleeping bags and our gear on our bunks, he told me, he, he said, just a warning, I snore. And he said that if he gets too loud at home, his wife will hit him with a pillow. <laughs> She'll grab her pillow, hit him to get him to roll over and stop snoring. And he said, I should do the same. And I, I laughed, but at 16 years old and looking at a man who's well more than double my age, I knew I wasn't going to be hitting him with a, a pillow, even if he was snoring. But I usually could sleep through most noises as long as it wasn't too blaring, you know, too loud. So I wasn't overly concerned. But that night came and, holy smokes, I have never been around someone who snored as loud as Doran. And his bunk was right across the aisle from me there in our cabin. I laid there in my bunk for hours, just wanting to fall asleep, but the loud, irregular snoring from Doran, it just kept me awake. I'm guessing I slept maybe three hours total that night. And I thought, okay, well, next night I might be tired enough that I could sleep through the noise. But no. He kept me awake again. The third night, I got to our cabin early. I tried, oh, can I fall asleep before he gets here, before he starts sleeping and snoring? But then I was so worked up, anxious, just trying to get to sleep. That kept me awake. Doran, on the other hand, he started snoring mere moments after his head would hit his pillow. So by the end of that week, I was so exhausted, I was finally sleeping a little more through the night. The next year, when I volunteered at this same camp, they assigned cabins. I was praying, please, please, please let me be in any other cabin other than with Doran. But sure enough, I was in his cabin again. However, being a year older and a little, a little bit more confident, when Doran was snoring that first night, well, I reached across the aisle there and 
kind of hesitantly nudged his shoulder enough to get him to roll over and stop snoring. And I had to do this a few times, but I was finally able to sleep. Still pretty rough those first few nights, but that was my routine for the rest of that week. The third year I volunteered for this camp, you've probably guessed it, I was assigned the same cabin as Doran again. This year, though, that first night when I would when I was I got woken up in the middle of the night from his loud snoring, I finally did what he told me I should have done two years earlier. I grabbed my pillow, I swung it over across the aisle between our bunks, and gave him a solid hit just to get him to stop snoring. It didn't even phase him, not not really. He just rolled over. He did stop snoring, but he kept sleeping. Didn't even wake up and. I slept better that third year, doing exactly what Doran said I should have done from the beginning. And even with all of that, you know, it was still in those years where I could sleep. Like I said, you know, when you're a teenager, you can sleep so long. You can sleep so well. I I don't think I've ever slept as well as when I was a teenager. I wish I could still sleep like that. And we all know what it feels like to get that really good sleep, but we also know what it's like to get bad sleep. For me, the older I get the more I try and optimize all the conditions for the night to get as good a night's rest as possible. You know, I I have certain nightly routines in place that can mean hopefully better sleep, even if there are things that might prohibit that to a degree. If one of our kids are sick or, you know, whatever the other factors are, maybe I've got a, a, you know, a joint that's hurting or, you know, something that is going to keep me awake for a while longer than I hope. I still do my best to keep that evening routine in place as much as possible because it will still mean at least some better sleep, even if the sleep is broken up or I'm getting less sleep than I'd like. And that keeping a routine, that's very much the same approach that we should take in our spiritual life, our prayer life. St. Ignatius of Loyola, he tells us that in the spiritual life, we will encounter times of consolation and desolation in our prayer. The consolation is when things are good, but even in those times of desolation, when things aren't so good, kind of like my evening routine, you know, keeping that in place. When things in prayer aren't so great, you want to keep up with your good routines, your good habits for prayer. Well, today we want to take this hour of the inner life to better understand this concept of consolation and desolation that we can experience in prayer, as well as how we actually experience that, what that looks like. And our spiritual director for the hour, uh, Father Eric Nielsen, is here once again on The Inner Life, and he is a priest in the Diocese of Madison. Father Eric is the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Father Eric, welcome back to The Inner Life. Hello, Josh. It's, uh, it's, it's great to be here. Yeah, it's, it's always good to, to talk here. with you, Father. So um, uh, looking forward to our conversation today. But um, uh, yeah, I gave a really, really brief kind of, uh, uh, you know, difference, uh, differentiation between consolation and, and desolation. But maybe as we get started here, can you give us a little deeper, more kind of uh, full scope explanation of what we mean when we talk about consolation in prayer and desolation in prayer? Yeah. And first, you know, I know you brought up St. Ignatius and he's the the one who uh, has a great commentary on consolation and desolation, but it's a very ancient part of the church. I mean, the imitation of Christ speaks of, which was written in the 15th century, about 150 years before St. Ignatius was born, speaks about the fact that the Lord Jesus um, prefers to visit his saints with consolation and desolation. 
And the reason for the consolation is to give us um, encouragement and support that he is there, that he knows us and loves us. And the desolation is given to us so that we become to grips with our feebleness and the our pride and the fact that we can do nothing without um, Christ's grace. So both of those things are needed in order to grow in the spiritual life. And so we should really expect both of those. And in times of consolation, what we mean by consolation is that is when we feel God's presence very clearly in our lives. And maybe sometimes when we pray, tears very readily come to our eyes where, you know, we have the feelings of love and um, deep contrition and sorrow over our sins and the fact that our Lord Jesus has a great affection and um, for us. Now, that's consolation. And desolation is when we suddenly feel like God isn't there. Um, our prayers used to be easy. Now they're difficult. Um, I used to be able to overcome my sinfulness rather readily. Now it seems like I'm always given into envy and um, impatience. And, uh, you know, it feels as if I haven't advanced in the spiritual life at all. You know, where, where are you, God? And if you read the Psalms, the Psalms say, speak of the same thing. You know, we read, the, the psalmist talks about desolation in their life. You know, we are people who long to see your face. You know, where are you, God? Why have you given um, me over? How, why have you handed me over to my enemies? And for us, you know, our enemies is you've handed me over to um, the enemies of my soul. You know, the temptations that, that confound me. And so we need both of these things in, in, in our spiritual life. And we should expect them. And God is always with us um, through all of them. The key is for us in desol in consolation, not to think too much of ourselves. Very often, especially early in the spiritual life in consolation, we can think, you know, I've arrived, I've achieved some great level of sanctity, and you know, our pride starts to build up, and we take on. If we're not careful, we can take on um, a lot of great spiritual practices that, in the end, would be detrimental to us because we're taking on too much. And so, in consolation, we should always remember desolation, and obviously, in desolation. We run the risk of just giving up the spiritual life altogether and thinking that it's all for naught. And so in desolation, we should um, remember our consolation. And this season, too, will pass. And then I think it's, it's important for us in a sense, mostly though, most of us live in the spiritual life between great consolation and between great desolation. And it is best not to make any real important decisions during great feelings of consolation lest we uh, make a decision that we really can't follow through on. And we should not make any big decisions on desolation because then we don't really think clearly and we tend to give up the good works that we should be doing. Well, so, you know, as you're talking about, don't take on too much when you're in that kind of spiritual high, uh, being in that time of yeah. consolation. Uh, don't stop doing the things that we need to do when we're in that time of desolation. Uh, if if we are wanting to find that kind of ma maintainable approach to the spiritual life, what do you think are maybe some key basics that every Catholic, every Christian should have happening 
in their prayer life, in their interior life, so that you know when when we're in that what you ta- ca- called you know kind of that middle ground, not great consolation, not great desolation, but what are some of the things that in that middle ground? Okay, these these are the the key things I want to really keep in practice. Yeah, the most important thing in your spiritual life is consistency. That I mean, you just really want to look and how can I be consistent? Because the devil, you know, if all of a sudden, let's say I'm going to pray three rosaries a day, you know, that, that's great. One in the morning, as soon as I get up, um, one after mass, and then one in the evening on my drive home. All right, awesome. You know, I'm going to do that. Or um, And then suddenly, um, you do that for like a month, and then something comes up and you don't pray the rosary for a week. The, the devil loves that type of sort of thing. He loves it when you take on, you know, really important things and do it for a while. If he knows he can just trip you up and get you to stop doing it because which when you stop doing it is when you really should be doing it. It's kind of like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll take a shovel and shovel the lawn on the front yard, except the sidewalk, except, you know, when it's really snowing out, you, you don't do it, um, which is the one time you should be doing it. What I mean by that is, you know, we tend to get busy and difficult things happen in our life and and that's when we should be praying and and then we give it up or something bad happens to us and we get discouraged and so we give up our prayer or we get into desolation and this is really important you know you get into desolation and your prayer becomes a little repugnant to you and that's when faith really kicks in faith really kicks in in a period of desolation where you're doing your prayer even though you don't have that that, that excitement about it and that feeling about it, because that's when your prayer really becomes a gift to God rather than something that you're doing just so that you will feel good about yourself and get positive feelings in your life. Um, so I, I can't speak enough about consistency. So everyone who's listening, you should start with something that you can really be consistent with. And then little by little, you should add to that consistency. I think there's no reason why everybody who's listening to me right now couldn't do a morning offering about 20 minutes of, of uh, just mental prayer in the morning, the rosary, and then an examination of conscience at night um, and, and some prayers for purity before you go to bed. I think that's easily within the reach of anybody. But as I say that in the reach, you know, if you haven't been praying at all, even that would be, you know, if you start doing that right away, it'd probably be too much for you and you'd give it up after a while. Sure, It's just like you just, you know, it's, it's almost like being training. You know, if you're really overweight, you're not going to start some really hard training regime suddenly. You know, you're just going to slowly work yourself into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you know, you, you can see that individually, but, I, you know, just speaking as a father, you can see that in family life, too. If if we have a week or two where, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the, the kids have just had all kinds of activities and we haven't been able to keep up with an evening rosary. Getting back into the swing of that after you've been out of it for a little while, it ends up being a little bit more okay. Okay, we we can get back to this, but sometimes sometimes it's we're kind of doing one decade, and that even seems like oh, this is this is taxing for us at this point, just because we haven't made that time. But I think you know, going back to what you said, it's within reach or within grasp of everybody to do certain things. I, I also am, you know, kind of hearing you say, at least it, it sounds like if you're not doing anything, do something, even if it's not as yeah. much as you'd like. Doing something is better than doing nothing. 
Absolutely. Taking that first step is just so, so important. I mean, again, back to the physical thing. Let's say you're really out of weight and you want to start running every day. Well, for three weeks, just take a walk around the block, you know, just, just, just getting out there and taking that walk around a block will, will eventually lead to running a marathon. Yeah. And if you're not praying at all, just getting on your knees before you go into bed and saying three Hail Marys and telling our Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I hope to do better tomorrow. You know, that's great. That, that, that's, that's a great, that's a great first step. You just do that for a month, you know, as a, as a first step, that'll, I know somebody was coming to me once and he wasn't praying at all. And I just, I told him just do that. You know, two, two years later, out of the blue, he sends me an email and says, father, thanks for the advice. I'm in the seminary now. Mm, wow. so, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big move forward there. Yeah, um, it is. You know, you just have to give the Holy spirit a crack. And, you know, and then just start following his lead. Yeah. But you, you, you got to be willing to be consistent in it. Uh, talking with Father Eric Nielsen today here on The Inner Life. He's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison, talking about how we experience consolation and desolation in times of prayer throughout our spiritual lives. And when have you experienced that time of consolation, that love of God, you know, where, where you seem very close to God, your prayers are being answered, uh, things are good? And how did those times help you to persevere, to have that consistency, maybe when you felt God was distant? Uh, how have those times of consolation allowed you to trust God when maybe he doesn't seem as near? Maybe you're going through that time of desolation right now. It seems like God is distant, and you'd like some advice. Uh, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Eric. The phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, uh, Father, I want to get a little more onto the consolation side of things, but it might be good to maybe start with desolation here um, as we kind of dive deeper, kind of examine these deeper. Um, I, I think the, the the desolation, you know, we want to be able to recognize it in our lives when it is happening. We don't want to be oblivious or ignorant when we are in that, that time of desolation. Uh, you said it's important that we that we need to experience both consolation and desolation. Why do we need that desolation in prayer? Why not just God allowing us to be in that closeness, that that time of consolation? Yeah, the trouble with being in con- the trouble, you know, <laughs> right. the the downside of being in consolation is that because of our pride, because of our latent pride. It is very, very difficult for us over time not to think that we have somehow becoming, we have become great spiritual masters, that I have this great direct line with God. You know, I don't need anybody else to help me with the spiritual life. And, you know, everything that I think is, is, is the right thing to think. And um, there's goodness. And plus, and this is really, really easy to fall into, you know, the goodness that I do just comes from my innate goodness. And um, that we're, we're just setting ourselves up there for a tremendous amount of pride and a great fall into sin. Because what happens is we haven't totally come to grips with our lack of virtue. Um, and so you can see this sometimes in people that they're, they're praying all the time that, you know, tears are coming down their eyes. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, they're getting drunk or, you know, they're, 
you know, falling into sin, sexual sin, or, you know, they're suddenly getting in, giving into great impatience and anger. So, um, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's what happens if we stay in desolation and we don't experience, um, consolation, you know, consolation, our desolation teaches us our own frailty and our own difficulties and how much we really need God and how, um, we would be without God's help. So that's, um, that's the problem with being in consolation all the time. Can desolation be caused by our own inaction? You talked about consistency. Can us just simply not doing the things that we should do? If I, if I am not keeping myself spiritually healthy, if I've gotten into a bit of a rut by inactivity in my spiritual life, is that a possibility? No, yeah, absolutely. And so this is, this is a very important um, point because, you know, the thing with desolation is that very often, if you're not careful, you can experience it as a depression, you know, because when you're in a, because it is like a depression and all of a sudden, you know, and the other thing too about desolation is a lot of times in desolation, our Lord is using it as a way to pull us, detach us from the things around us in this world. And we have to be important desolation that we don't go back to old habits that we used to use to console ourselves, uh, right? Yeah. I'm in the spirit of desolation, so I'll go back to eating a lot of chocolate or, you know, watching Netflix all day or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But in desolation, you've got, you can put yourself in a desolation simply by um, not, if you will, taking care of yourself. Like maybe you're just, you're, like, as you mentioned before, you're not sleeping really well. Um, you have, you're not doing your prayers as regularly as you should be. You're kind of cutting corners. Um, maybe you're not really trying to resist venial sins. You know, you're kind of giving yourself over into venial sin. And so then suddenly that desolation, that withdrawal from God is just the result of your own folly. Mm. So when you're in a real spirit of desolation, what separates it from depression, um, is that you're capable of still doing a tremendous amount of work. You're still, you know, capable of doing your spiritual life, even though it might not be very attractive to you. And, and you're just able to do your, your regular duties of the day pretty well. So okay. that that's a desolation that comes from God that's not, you know, just self-made. Right, right. Uh, Father, need to take a short time out here. Again, talking with Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, about consolation and desolation in prayer. What is that? What does it mean? And of course, how do we experience it? What is God doing? How is he working in our lives during those times of consolation and desolation that we experience in prayer? And maybe you've experienced one or the other or both in your life. How has God worked in those moments? How has God shown you that you need to rely on him, you need to rely on others in the church as brothers and sisters in Christ. But at the same time, uh, you know, even in those moments of desolation, how have you been able to persevere, to be that, that consistent in the spiritual life, like Father Eric is talking about? Maybe you are worried you're in that time of desolation right now, and uh, things just—it <laughs> doesn't feel like you're able to make any progress. You're looking for some advice, some insight, some encouragement. That's why Father Eric is here to talk with you. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We will be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. 
information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond speaking today with Father Eric Nielsen, the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison and talking today about our prayer life, our interior life, and specifically how we experience times of consolation, how we experience times of desolation, what that means, how we live that out, those times of consolation where we're we're close to God. We can we can feel God uh, in in those those moments when we're praying, those times of desolation where God might feel like He's distant, far away. Maybe He's not even hearing our prayers. And have you experienced either one of those? How did God work in your life at those times? How did experiencing that moment of consolation, that 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 closeness, that loving relationship with God in in your prayer, how did that help you? to maintain that consistency, uh, to persevere in those times maybe where your prayer was dry, it was difficult to even make it through your times of daily prayer. Uh, how did God help you um, so that you were able to make it through those times? Looking back on those those moments of consolation, maybe you're going through one of those right now and you'd like some advice and some insight from Father Eric. The phone number to call into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And I guess we had a little bit of a problem with our phones a moment ago. We've got that fixed. So if you tried to call in and you weren't able to get through, you can try again. And again, that phone number, 888-914-9149. Father, following up on as we were talking about the desolation side of things, I, I I know you mentioned it very briefly, but I wanted to go back that, you know, acknowledging in those times of desolation, I mean, you mentioned it in consolation too, that our pride can get, you know, we have to be really cautious that our pride doesn't get the better of us, but especially in those times of desolation, that Satan can really be at work right there. You know, Satan, he wants to keep us away from God, but he also doesn't want us to know that he's the one who's working to keep us in this kind of uh, apathetic or maybe even a despairing state, you know, where I'm not making progress, I'm not making those strides in my spiritual life. And I think it's really important to have this solid understanding of what is happening with the different spiritual forces that are at work in our lives, you know, that it's not just, oh, I'm... I'm, you know, feeling like a bad person or I'm just not doing the things I know I should. No, there's a spiritual com- warfare kind of component that really can be happening in a lot of these moments. Yeah, the devil never rests and he is always after us in one way or the other. We may not like that. We um, may wish it wasn't the case, but that's reality. We just all heard that this last last Sunday with the temptation of our Lord Jesus right. Christ, right? And so the devil is there and God allows us to happen in order for us to, for our love for God to be proven in order for us to grow in virtue. And so we just have to expect these things. And sometimes um, in consolation, the devil will tempt us to pride. And in desolation, the devil will tempt us to self-doubt. 
you know, and, and so what you what he'll want us to do is give up the good works that we're doing. You know, this is all for not, you know, and this is like, um, you know, if you're a mother, it's suddenly, you know, I'm just the worst mother in the world. What am I even doing here? Why did I even decide to have these four children? Um, if you're a father, it's it's kind of like, you know, I just, these kids could do better without me. Why did I, why did I take this new job? Why did I start this business? Um, why did I, why did I take this undertaking to be, you know, even my Boy Scout leader or whatever the case may be? So in desolation, we, that's why the, the thing is, and St. Ignatius are very big on this. You know, you just don't make any decisions in desolation. You, you stay the course. And what will happen is frequently in our spiritual life, we'll receive a lot of consolation because God is, in a certain sense, giving us a view of the mountaintop in a certain sense that he wants us to go to before we enter into the valley where, where, where the mountaintop that we're supposed to get to kind of disappears. And we're going to be in the valley for a while. And when we're in this, des- and it's, this is just the way God has arranged it. You know, as we're going to, he gives us the confidence in, in, in the patient to move forward with something. And then suddenly, boom, that disappears. We're in the middle of all the difficulties when it really becomes hard. Things aren't going right. And like, Lord, where are you? People are attacking me. And, and we're in this really spirit of desolation. And that's where the saints have really buckled down and really trusted in God's divine providence that our Lord Jesus is, is um, with them. And that's why it helps, too, to have a real spiritual confidant that you can talk to uh, to make sure that you uh, stay the course. And, yeah. Well, one of the things that comes to mind, you're talking about the the mom or the dad who are in that moment of desolation and they're, you know, questioning, uh, you know, why, why did I, you know, get to this point? Why would God entrust these kids to me? Or, you know, the, the different things that you were just mentioning there. And most of what we're talking about here is that uh, that 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 singular um, personal prayer life, the interior life. But as a mom or a dad, where you're trying to help your kids, maybe you can sp- speak to that for a moment too. The the persevering, the consistency when you are the ones helping to lead others in prayer. You know the that. That can be it. Can be difficult enough when it's just you on your own. But then also when you're feeling like uh, I'm the last person who should be telling anybody what to do in the spiritual life or how they should live. Look at all the faults I have. <laughs> how to how to in those moments still be able to persevere, Father? Yeah, that's. I mean, the thing about being a parent, and I'm not a parent. I obviously I'm just a priest here, and um, is you know you probably most parents have experienced this as soon as you start to discipline your son or your child you know right away doubts come into your mind that you know I'm, i shouldn't be so hard on the guy and because as soon as you set a course um it's it, it's going to be resisted if that course is good at all it's interesting when our lord uh tends to confront demons in people they make their loudest noise um, and shriek the loudest and throw the person in convulsions the most just before they depart. Um, you know, what, when they're not being driven out, they're, they're, they're just, for the most part, kind of pacified and happy. Um, and so the thing is, if you're doing something really good with your family that's driving out demons, you can expect to have some real pushback. And so and, and that, with that pushback, you're going to... Um, 
you, you're going to have to be strong, especially if the people that you're trying to drive the demons out are have any narcissistic tendencies. They can really, really throw up a stink. You know, your 10-year-old son or your, you know, 14-year-old daughter. And so you just really have to plan your course. This is the spiritual course that we're taking. And this is what's good for the family. And you have to be in concert with your husband. And, and, and you got to expect that you're going to experience some desolation and pushback on that. Now, I just want to caution people who are listening to this. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, it, I've just noticed from being at St. Paul's here with college kids, this can backfire if you try to, you know, instill spiritual discipline in your 16-year-old if you haven't done it when they were eight. Oh, right. So <laughs> just be careful there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, know, that, well, that that's, there. you might be able to do small things, but trying to get them to, <laughs> if if you're having your own kind of personal conversion, where you have made this huge turnaround in your life, and then you're saying, great, well, I'm a parent. I want my kids to do this too. But yeah, if they're 16, 17, 18 years old, um, they're going to have to have their own experience at that <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to put it. They have yeah. to have their own experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Diane, who is calling in from Dover, Delaware. Hi, Diane. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Eric. Hi. Hi, Father Eric. Hi, Josh. Hello, Diane. Uh, I just wanted to tell you... Uh, about times of consolation for me. I recently lost my husband, and um, we were married a very long time. And I, it's so painful. It's so painful to lose a spouse, especially when you've been together forever and you love each other so much, even though he's better off because he's not suffering anymore. But uh, my only consolation was the Blessed Mother and praying the rosary every day. And I would pray three of them a day. And every time I would pray them, and I would put the one on from Relevant Radio, and I just put that on, and I just put, listen and say all the uh, you know mysteries. I would, I would sometimes I do four, and I just kept believing. And I listen to your show all the time, Josh. I love your show. That one you had on January 10th about grief, I listened to that 10 times. <laughs> and the, the priests you have on are so wonderful. God has really been working through you. I just wanted you to know that. And I just, I don't call ever. But I, I was so compelled to call you and let you know how much you mean to all of us out here. You know, it's like a lifeline. It really is. Oh, and wow. I just Thank had you, to Diane. tell you, mm. I had to tell you because, you know, God's there, you know, but whenever you lose someone, you, you, you lose all direction, you know what I mean? You don't know where you're going or what you're doing, and you're starting all over again, and you're old, and it's just, uh, it's so hard, but our lady always, always helps me. She always helps me, and people should know to pray the rosary is such a tool against Satan. It really is. And pray to your guardian angel, too. I pray to my guardian angel every day in St. Michael. So I just thought I'd call in and let you know what's helped me, and maybe it can help somebody else. So that's all. And I thank you both for being so wonderful. I really do. I thank you. That's it. That's all I have to say. Diane, thanks so much for the call. And uh, be assured of my prayers. Um, I'm I'm glad you shared with me. You know, uh, my... My mom, uh, you know, she was in her 40s when my father passed away. And I remember, you know, just I was still at home at that time, uh, you know, going to school. 
And I know there were a lot of different days where she would just say, yeah, it was so difficult. You know, she, she said, I expected to be with him basically all my life. And so here I am, (laughs) here I am. What now? Um, so Diane, I, I just, from seeing my own mom's experience, my heart goes out to you so much, but father, as Diane's talking about this, I think she makes such a great point. Number one, you know, she had that perseverance and recognizing that consolation that she experienced in those times of prayer. But then also that times of consolation, it doesn't mean that everything is happy and peaceful and wonderful, but we can experience the closeness of God and God loving us and taking care of us and, and, and you know, providing that comfort even in times of sorrow. Yeah, I think that was a very important call from Diane because um, she mentioned the rosary in Our Lady. And it seems like no matter what our desolation and how far our Lord seems to be away from us, it seems like Our Lady is, is a great gift who's always there to console us in some way. And so, you know, during these difficulties, it's to reach out to Our Lady, um, yeah. especially through the rosary, as Diane said. You know, as no matter what the desolation is, I think Our Lady will always be there to comfort us. Well, and, and we also get a look at Mary and the sorrows she experienced in her life. You know, uh, presumably lost Joseph at some point there before uh, Jesus went into public ministry. And then, of course, loses her son, watches him have this horrific death on the cross, publicly humiliated. So if there's anyone who can offer that care and that love and that comfort and understands and can take our our sorrows to the throne of God. Our Lady is that person. Yeah, the, you know, the, Diane makes a, a good point. She says, you know, she was happy her husband is no longer suffering, you know, but um, yeah. she is, you know, when a, when a spouse dies, you know, you, it takes about a year to even, you know, have just any of your natural joy come back. Now, when you look at that, you know, it's a, it's a natural cause, my spouse passing away. But at the same time, God knows that that's happening to you. And he's preparing your soul for that event. And he's going to use that event to deepen your faith and bring you closer to him and obtain for your greater reward in heaven. And so when you look at something like losing a spouse and wow, your mother, uh, Josh, at, in, in her 40s, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, Our Lady is there to kind of, you know, even in the midst of great desolation, our Lord's going to give you just little, it's, it's kind of like you're in this big storm and every once in a while the sun will just like peek out behind the clouds for a while, you know, so you know it's still there and then, you know, go back away. So. Father Eric is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today. And our phone number, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father Eric Nielsen, 888-914-9149, Father, when we come back from our break, let's talk about the role that feelings and emotions play and how we can kind of distinguish, how we can discern uh, what really is consolation, what is desolation, and not just mere feelings. We'll, we'll pick that back up here on the other side of this break here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you battling an addiction? Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, can help you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com Gregory. That's relevantradio.com Gregory. Welcome back. 
back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director today, Father Eric Nielsen, the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And uh, Father Eric, uh, right before the break, wanted to follow up on what we were talking about there, um, consolation, desolation, and prayer, those times where we can feel God close to us, those times where he might seem distant, our prayers aren't being answered. How can I distinguish between if what I am going through, you know, if, if, if it's more on the realm of mere feelings and emotions, as opposed to those feelings and emotions are truly tied into that deeper spiritual reality of either a time of consolation or a time of desolation in my interior life? Yeah, you know, that can be hard for some reason, not really, you know, too in tune with their own feelings, if you will, or it's just used to probably just living in a more superficial level, right? You know, so some people are more just, you know, tied to the things around them um, more than what's happening inside of them. So what you're trying to do there is you're really trying to um, discern what's really coming from outside of me and causing me to feel this way just because of the things surrounding me, the outside, what's truly there, you know, from God. And those two things, you know, are somewhat, you know, interconnected. So you can't really, you know, decide them. But basically, the the feelings of desolation are things that will be there over time and always there for like days. Whereas, you know, the things that are more superficial, they just, they just come and go, you know, day to day. You know, I, I have some coffee or, you know, I talk to a friend and, you know, so, or I get, a, I get a big check in the mail. There's some good news. And suddenly my feeling of desolation sure. is gone. <laughs> well, even, you know, yeah. it's not much of a desolation then if it can just disappear like that. So I guess that's, that'd be the one way to kind of notice it. Like it's always funny. I always feel a, a great spirit of desolation when the Packers lose. Right, <laughs> right, it goes, right. It goes away after 12 hours, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Or or the following Sunday when they seem to win that one, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Father, you know, all, all of us want to be close to God. We want to have that close experience there. So you've talked about being cautious, though. We don't want to be only in that time of consolation in our lives, because we have to be on guard that our pride doesn't get the best of us at those times. At the same time, is there is there a problem with wanting to pray for that consolation in our lives, or, you know, maybe asking the Holy Spirit to open our, our, how we can kind of open that door to make ourselves more receptive to God's consolation? Yeah, here's, here's the saints. The saints would not pray for consolation and not look for it. What the saints are praying for is fervor. You know, Lord, give me fervor. I want to have a fervent heart. And in some ways, most of us have a fervent heart in consolation. So in kind of in a tangential way, praying for fervor is praying for consolation, okay? But that's what we want. We're, we're going to leave, whether it's, it's, it's like we're praying that we can really walk along this path with great strength, you know, whether it's sunny out or whether it's um, raining out, we'll leave that up to God, you know. But what we want is we want great fervor. And so... We want our heart to be aflame with love. And again, you know, it's a type of consolation. It's a, 
it's a type of consolation to have that inflamed heart. But that's really, that, that's pretty much on your side. You can have an inflamed heart in the middle of desolation, you know. Mother Teresa had an inflamed heart in the middle of desolation, right? And so that's really what we're looking for. I want to have a heart full of love, full of fire, with great conviction, great faith, and great hope. And, and so that's what we're praying for. Um, we'll leave the consolation desolation up to uh, God's divine providence and his mercy. Okay, well, the, I, I talked about praying for consolation. You're talking about having that, that you know, inflamed heart, that, that fervor in our lives, in our heart. At the same time, if I'm in that time of desolation, that's not necessarily going to be <laughs> a, a, yeah. a fun experience. Is there any problem with me saying, God, can you at least move me out of the desolation? E- even, even if, <laughs> even if, okay, I'll, I'll let you decide when it's time for consolation. Yeah. yeah can can yeah, I at least get that. out of desolation? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can pray for that, but Lord, your will be done. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, you know, it could be our Lord really wants to bring you into a really deep mystical state, but he's not, not going to be able to get you there unless you've been in desolation for a while. You might be shortchanging the depth of your spiritual life. Mm, that's such a good point, you know. To, yeah, don't don't shortchange yourself in what yeah. God wants to do in your life, and yeah. But at the same time, that oh, that sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> Be brave. I know, I know. Uh, Father, we're down to our last 30 seconds here. It's always good to talk with you, Father Eric, but can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners as we wrap up the hour? Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you in your mercy that all of our listeners here today will take one firm, consistent step in their spiritual life so that we can know you and love you and spread through our work and your grace the love of Jesus Christ to the world. Do the same Christ our Lord. Uh, all right. Thanks again, Father Eric Nielsen. I want to also say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Maggie Greshel helping to produce the program today. And thank you for listening and being a part of this hour. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. And of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass that starts in about 30 seconds here. That's followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark and... Uh, Of course, we do want to see you back here tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the corporal works of mercy. I hope you can join us for that show here on The Inner Life.